I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Your hosts on this adventure during this dead period before we get to camp. I know everybody wants to get to camp. Is my partner, Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can follow him. You must, must follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at LV Gully, the show, S-N-B today. Uh, Mo, did you have a good 4th of July, man? I know I did. I had a good 4th of July. Uh, there were a lot of fireworks outside of my window. You probably wouldn't have been happy about the living <laughs> situation here. But that's what it is, and I've become used to it. And like I said on the last show, I'm going to be hearing fireworks for probably the next two weeks. But yeah, I had some hot dogs, had some burgers, had some corn on the cob, enjoyed myself. It was a good day. Hot dogs. Uh oh. Now, did you have good hot dogs? Did you, were they all beef hot dogs? Were they, what kind of hot dogs? All beef hot dogs. I I don't, I I know I live in in hosh posh, uh, hipster town, (laughs) the Williamsburg, Brooklyn, but. Uh, I, I I usually don't eat hot dogs. I'm not a hot dog eater. I'm not opposed yeah. to them. But if someone's grilling them, if there's a cookout, I like a good hot dog. Nothing special on it. You know, I'm not yeah. a mustard relish guy, you know, anything like that. But, you know, I do enjoy a good <laughs> hot dog on a hot dog day. Joey Chestnut is the goat, by the way. Yeah, he is the goat. He does it again after a delay, right? They had yes. a delay yesterday. Yes. Yes. Uh, which was incredible, or I should say on, on Tuesday. Uh, but the hot dog thing, interesting point I learned from my kids. So so I, being originally from Chicago as I am, I love the Chicago hot dog minus the tomatoes. I'm not a, like tomato does not belong on a hot dog to me, oh, which I find really interesting. I know. I If you look at a Chicago hot dog, it has tomato, it has pickle, it has sport peppers, and then the very special, very bright green relish that you can only get in Chicago uh, along with mustard, right? So, so there's no ketchup because we all know ketchup does not belong in a hot dog. And, um, but I don't do the tomatoes because if you're not going to do ketchup, you put tomatoes on, you're just doing ketchup in its earlier stage. And that's the way I look at it. But anyway, my kids, what I realize, I like relish on my hot dog, relish and mustard. And onions, if they're around, I'll put onions on it too, Okay. But I, my kids, I realized my kids will not touch relish. And I know a lot of people don't like relish, so that's fine. But what I realized is I didn't like it either until I got older. Isn't that interesting? There's just some things you just do not have a palate for until maybe your taste buds die. I don't know what the deal is. But do you have any foods that you didn't like as a kid that suddenly now as an older guy, you're thinking to yourself, no, that's not too bad. I'll eat that. Funny enough, potato salad. I didn't eat oh, the potato, warm potato salad. salad. The potato yeah. salad, I didn't eat as a kid, cold or warm. I couldn't yeah. stand potato salad. I didn't start eating potato salad until maybe five years ago. Of course, now I eat it, I eat it warm. Same thing goes for macaroni salad. I didn't, I didn't eat either food until I was older. But then again, when I was a kid, I was a picky kid. Not to go off on a tangent, uh, but I was a, I was a real 
slim kid. I didn't eat a lot of foods. And then uh-huh. as I got older and older, and as I started dating women and trying new foods, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, the motivating factor for, for, for expanding my palate. And I started trying new foods and liking new things. So shout out to the women that were in my life in the past who, <laughs> who changed your palate, <laughs> who have introduced me to new things and, and new, and oh. new, uh, cuisine. So I'm sure they did. Yes. yes. Um, that's the thing with the 4th of July. And I went really simple with the family yesterday and I was doing fireworks. By the way, my neighborhood, my neighborhood, I have six other neighbors around a pond and we have half the pond. So like our, our property has half this pond and a big side. So I do a pretty big fireworks show and it's been getting bigger every year because this is the first place I've lived where it's actually legal, where you can shoot the stuff off in the air. And if you go to my Twitter handle, you'll see some of the, the stuff I sent off last night. And it's cool because... Because we did it and and it was fun, but it was a casual thing. I just made my wife, I should say, not me, made these great burgers yesterday, really good beef, really seasoned well. It was like I just needed one and I was done. I didn't even have a hot dog yesterday, but uh, but we had a great time celebrating um, the country's birthday. And of course, Al Davis's birthdays we did on Tuesday show. Uh, but it was fun. And, and it's great because I put off all these fireworks over the pond and uh, my kids, I realized it's so foreign to them. They're like running for cover. Cause I had like six inch mortars, right? So I'm <laughs> dropping the mortar in there and it's boom and it's going big. Uh, and my kids are I'm like, guys, it's okay. I'm not going to blow anything up. I had my fire extinguisher there in case things got crazy, but it was great too. Cause after each aerial assault, my neighbors were clapping and whooping. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's pretty good. So now I'm thinking about going around the neighborhood next year and saying, hey, you want to chip in $100? And, oh, and yeah. we'll do a really big show? Because I, 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 I don't ask anybody for money, of course. I just do it. I'm doing it for me and my kids because I love the holiday. Um, but it went crazy here last night. So anyway, I'm okay with the fireworks as long as it's not at midnight and I'm sleeping. Uh, but anyway, I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. Uh, and we are going to get back into the football now, uh, at least for now. Uh, so, so I wanted to show you this piece. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, you'll actually see it on your screen. Um, and that is a piece by Dan Graziano, great writer over at, um, at uh, ESPN, who, who talked about, if I can get the dang thing to work here. Uh, there we go. Um, who talked about Devontae Adams. Now, we, we talked about this on, on Tuesday's show, actually, Mo, which is a lot of folks, and in this case, again, Graziano, great writer, great writer, uh, but they talk about the situation with the Raiders, and they don't have a lot of context. This one, I don't think is that, but if you look at it, uh, it talks about players who, you know, storylines to watch, which we're going to get into, by the way, in segment two, Mo did a piece up on Sports Knot yesterday on Wednesday about five storylines to watch for the Raiders. That's that's our complete segment number two, so stay tuned for that. But Graziano talked about Devontae Adams, and I'm going to read some of this to you, Mo, and, and the viewers who are watching us on YouTube can see this. For the listeners, you'll hear me read it. Um, it, it talks about how he forced his way out of out of New England, or excuse me, New England, Green Bay because of the situation with Aaron Rodgers. Now um, he leads about... Adam speaking out publicly about his disappointment over losing Carr, which no big deal. Uh, but then also the, the plan moving forward. This is the stuff we talked about earlier in the summer. And here's what Graziano says. It seems pretty clear that Adams, in spite of his reservations, is willing to give McDaniels and Garoppolo a shot. He proved last year that he didn't need Rodgers to be a type of receiver, and he surely believes he can perform at the same level with Garoppolo. But... Things could get ugly in a hurry for the Raiders, who have seen a major overhaul since McDaniels and Ziegler got there 17 months ago, but don't appear to be any better. In fact, some may say they appear to be worse than the team that finished 2021 season on a playoff run under interim coach Rich Bisaccia, and Carr is an, as its emotional leader. If that's the case, Adams will, will Adams want out at the trade deadline after the season? The potential for Adams to be on the move again soon after bailing out of Green Bay is worth watching. And if it comes to that, it might be hard to blame him. All right. So, Mo, you you hear this. Give me give me your reaction to, to what Graziano writes here about Adams, about the situation, about the Raiders roster being worse than it was in 2021. Okay, so three things here. We we went over the Raiders ranking on ESPN. It ranks 21st. Dan Graziano writes for ESPN. So it's no surprise to me that 
he's putting this piece out and saying, well, what if the, you know, Rays roster isn't any better than it was last year? And to a certain extent, I will, I would agree with him. It's all about perspective. As I said, with Jimmy Garoppolo, you're hoping that because Josh McDaniels now has this guy that the offense will perform a lot better than it did last year with Derek Carr. The defense has a lot to prove, so I can't say the defense is any better than it was last year. They lost a Pro Bowl linebacker in Denzel Perriman, who kind of reinvented himself in Las Vegas. And then you have you have several rookies who are going to have to step up in big spots. Tyree Wilson, Byron Young, possibly Ja'Korian Bennett and Chris Smith on the back end. And the Raiders probably have the worst linebacking corps in the league. Devon Diablo, while we are optimistic about him, he also has a lot to prove because he didn't play well last year. He admitted it. He said that he was a new kid on the block, and now he's comfortable in Patrick Graham's offense. We'll see. There's a lot of wait and see with the Raiders roster right now. And I think that he's got he's got the situation you know in hand to some degree. But again, you're covering it from the outside. And to me, that that lends itself to a little bit of, hey, I'm just reading what I'm reading. And, and Mo, as a writer, when you source stories like this, you kind of have to go on other reports. It's not like Dan Graziano, as good of a journalist as he is, is inside the Raider organization or he's calling people. He would have said that in a piece like this. So you're kind of doing And I don't disagree with him that it's a thing to watch uh, because we've talked about it here, right, which is if Devontae Adams, if this team falls apart and the wheels come off, especially if it's early and the season goes south, I don't see them moving him this year, but I could, certainly could see him trying to force his way out if the season goes really, really bad. And this is what I'll say about the Devontae Adams situation. On one hand, what Dan Graziano left out was in Maroon Fader's piece. He did say, now he did say he, he's willing to give Josh McDaniels and Jim McGraw a shot, and he basically said he's committed to you know, bringing a championship to the Raiders, we'll see if that commitment wavers if, as you said, the wheels fall off. But this is a guy who said that he grew up a Raider fan. Yes, he came here partially because Derek Carr was there, but he also wanted to play for the Raiders because, again, that's the team he grew up rooting for. So I think that part is left out of his piece as well when he said he, you know, his buddy Derek Carr is not there anymore. The other thing is he is correct. It, that's This is what I tweeted. We'll see what happens after the season, how Devontae Adams feels about the direction of the team. He's not wrong about Devontae Adams openly criticizing the front office because Devontae Adams did do that, even though he tried to clean it up afterward and say he has no, basically saying he has no issues with, with the team's direction. But he said what he said, and it's in print, it's in quotes. So I, I'm like you. I don't see a trade happening this year at the trade deadline. If the Raiders, let's say, worst case scenario, go, let's say they go two and 15, and it's a complete abject disaster, then I think there's a possibility he may want out because in, he, in that playoff profile that Marin Fader did, he did talk about basically his race against time. He knows that he's, he's going toward the sunset of his career pretty soon, not in a few years, but he can see the light at the end of the, of the tunnel of his NFL career. And he's not going to want to waste his last years on a team that's not going anywhere. So if the team lacks direction and is an abject disaster at the end of the 2023 season, yes, I could see Devontae Adams asking out. But I think he he would want to stick it out for this year just to see how it ends up with the roster they have right now. Yeah, that makes sense, Mo. I mean, listen, anything can happen if things go south and, and as we talked about it. Uh, it'll be interesting, but the cost to this team—you talked about that too. The, the the you have you'd have to restructure things. There's a lot of work that would have to be done for Devonte Adams to be even traded after this year because of the hit you take on that. Uh, now, I think there are teams out there who would do that in a heartbeat because I think Devonte Adams is the best receiver in football when when he's rolling. Um, when you look at that structure of that contract, what if he was going to be traded? And of course, we hope that's not the case for Raider Nation and for the Raiders. Um, but but how difficult would it be to restructure his contract uh, even after this season? If a team really wants Devontae Adams, it's not difficult at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a dead cap hit because of the extension that they gave him once they acquired him from the Green Bay Packers. But we've seen teams work things out for players that they want or want to get rid of. There, there are ways you can eat. The Raiders would eat some of the contract, and the, and the other team acquiring him would eat the other portion of the contract. There, again, there are so many ways to manipulate contracts and cat room that you can you can ultimately make it work. It, to me, it boils down to 
how badly does Devonta Adams want to leave if the Raiders flounder and are a team that only wins two to four games? If he mm-hmm. wants out that badly, it's going to happen because you don't want an unhappy star in your locker room. But if he's on the side, if he has the tone of what he had with, with his player profile with Maroon Fader, and he basically says, look, I want to stick it out and, and make it work in Las Vegas, then the Raiders are fine. But they're going to have a vocal leader who's going to say when you're screwing up because he's already been he's, <laughs> he's very candid with his comments. He's not oh, yeah. he's not the type of leader that's going to say everything is fine when it's not. If something is going awry multiple times last year when he's been interviewed, he's basically maybe not in, in the clearest of comments, but you could tell something was awry. Uh, with the team's operation and direction when they interviewed him after after losses, especially he's going to yes. give you the, the the real talk. Him and him, he and Josh Jacobs are the two guys in that locker room. Josh Jacobs, as soon as he resigns, are the two guys that will tell you what's what's up. They they're not going to sit there and put a smile on their face and say everything <laughs> is good, everything is rainbows and unicorns. They're going to say, "Look, this sucks. We got to be better. And if it doesn't get better, something has to change." Yeah, and 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 listen after after Derek Carr was ousted as the voice of this franchise and the face of this franchise, in essence. That's what Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, and mostly Devontae Adams because of his experience in the league and his accomplishments, to me, that's understandable. He's going to be that vocal guy. Jimmy Garoppolo, well-known and well-loved in the locker room with the 49ers, he's a good locker room leader, but he's not going to be the public face. Devontae Adams will continue to be the public face, which is why the Raiders need to do all they can, and in this case, just show progress to keep him engaged uh, because that's that's they need their leader to be happy. Scott, I'll ask you a question then. What yeah, what would you say is progress? Is it just winning more games than they won last year? Or is it improving uh, as the season goes on? Because you can have it could be that the Raiders have a better record than they had last year, but what if they're mm-hmm. trending in the wrong direction in the second half of the season? So what if they end up seven and ten? But they started off, you know, five and two and they backslide. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a good question, Mo. I think there are lots of ways to look at progress. And I think I said it several weeks ago here on the show, which is it's not necessarily going to be record based. For example, uh, are you are you guys close in games all the time? Are they close where, yeah, they might be seven and ten, but they've lost five games by less than one score? or by a score, something that's really cool because your defense is a work in progress and the offense is clicking and Devontae Adams is having a good year and Josh Jacobs is having a good year and Garoppolo staying healthy. You start to feel like a positive momentum. Yes, the losing, especially late in the season, gets to you. I think any player it would get to. But I think that's the kind of progress I'm thinking about. And yes, wins and losses are the ultimate measure. But I do think somebody like Devontae Adams might be okay going into a season off season where they didn't make the playoffs or they didn't have the success they wanted, but they really developed a chemistry and a team culture that feels like they've turned the corner. I think that's a big part of it. Here's one thing I'll add to that. And you mentioned close losses. I think that was acceptable last year simply because that was Josh Daniels first year. I don't think close losses are acceptable this year being that how the Raiders Mm. lost five double-digit second-half leads last year. Mm-hmm. If you have something similar to that this year, one, you know, one, what is it, what is it saying? One's a, one's a mistake, two's a pattern, whatever you want to say. <laughs> but anyway. Trend, yes. Right. Yes. So it happened last year. You, you excuse it because everything is new. But if it happens this year, then you have, you have a bit of a, a, a pattern there. So now back-to-back mm. years, you've blown big leads or – or you haven't played well in the second half of the season. To me, I think at that point, if the Raiders, let's say they blow four double-digit second-half leads and they nosedive in the second half of the season, to me, I think players start to bail on Josh McDaniels as a head coach. And because you're we've already heard the whispers. We we've had Baldy on this on the show. And I asked him, you know, at what point do the players kind of turn on their head coach if things don't go well? And he basically said, Look, you gotta win. And then yeah. the Raiders go six and you know True. we went six and eleven, and then they go win two to four games, and you're still having the same problem as last year. I think you start to hear more whispers that Josh McDaniels needs to be on the outs, even though I do think he gets a third year, barring barring a, a catastrophic locker room mutiny. Yeah. I, I think players start to question if he's the right coach for that football team. 
No, I don't doubt that. I do, though. And, and listen, if they blow leads again, I'm absolutely with you there and, and 100%. But I do think, and again, I know some people won't like this, but there's different ways in which you lose. If you're playing the Raiders schedule, we know the schedule. We've gone over it already. We'll go over it again before the season starts. But if you're in close games with teams that are clearly better than you from a roster perspective, okay? So, and I'll use it. I know it's going to be painful to hear this, Raider Nation, but the Chiefs have a better overall roster, okay? So if you're in those games with the Chiefs and you go back and forth with them and you're showing that you can hang with them and one play goes one way or another and it's not just the coaching idiocy, it's actually some kind of physical breakdown or somebody makes a mistake, whatever it may be, which shows the discrepancy in talent levels, right, on the rosters, to me, that's more of what I was talking about. Again, that does not excuse loses, loses, losses, loses, losses. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do think, I think that if the Raiders don't improve their record this year, which I think we've kind of been vocal about, we don't think they will. If they don't, I think you're right, though. I think Josh Jacobs, or excuse me, Josh McDaniels gets a third year, but the seat is hot in week one. I mean, there's no question about it because he's gotten everything that he's wanted. Josh uh, McDaniels and now Dave Ziegler, he's made his moves. And if I'm Mark Davis, I'm like, all right, I'm giving you the second year. But when you hit year three, man, you better come out of that gate on fire or you're gone. Uh, and that has to be that way because in the NFL, you can't go five or six seasons and give a coach. It's not college. You're not recruiting guys. You have a GM who's going out and drafting and doing all that stuff. So we'll have to see. And they got what they wanted. They got the quarterback they wanted. They got rid of the quarterback they wanted to get rid of. And now they might be getting rid of the running back. Who knows what's going to happen with that. But it's going to be an interesting season, to say the least. Okay. We are now going to step aside for our first break here on Silver and Black today. The uh, Thursday edition here on the 6th of July, 2023. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mo's piece that ran yesterday on SportsNot.com. Five storylines that have nothing to do with Josh McDaniels, right? No. Uh, that you should watch this year with the Raiders. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. We'll be back right after these words. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, look. It's Midtown Mo. <laughs> Oh, yes, it is. Welcome back. Silver and black today, the Thursday edition here in July. It's heating up outside, Mo. Uh, I can't stand the heat. Uh. <laughs> Our Vegas listeners are like, you don't know heat. Although they don't know humidity. Right. I know, I know both. But like yes, 
yesterday and on the 4th of July, both the past two days here in southwestern Ohio, it's been 90 degrees with like 90% humidity, right? And they always joke about Vegas being a dry heat. And there's truth to that. So I took like two showers each each morning. I went out, I mowed the lawn and because my lawn had to look good for 4th of July two days ago. So I did that. And then yesterday I did some other yard work with my wife, who's growing a pretty cool garden, by the way. No avocados yet, but she's got squash. She's got tomatoes. She's got lots of peppers. So by the avocados. way, if, if anybody wants me to send them some fresh basil, I will do so because we it grows <laughs> like a weed. Um, but anyway, yeah, that heat is tough, man. And that's why when people say when I move back to the Midwest or Mid East or whatever you want to call it, as I call it in the United <laughs> States. Yeah, the Mid East, I know. Um, not that Mid East. And is that people are like, oh man, the cold. I couldn't stand the cold. I actually, the cold right at the end of winter starts to wear on me just like because I want to see the sun and I want to feel a little bit of warmth on my face. But I don't mind the winters, man. Like I just don't. I'm more of a winter guy than I am a, a summer guy. I hibernate in the summer and I come out in the winter. It, I'm the complete <laughs> opposite of what it's supposed to, to be done. Better. It, it's just, to... I, I just don't like the humidity. Like people yeah. don't understand. Like you said, when you hear about the Northeast, people think, oh, blizzard, storm, snow, cold. Not true. In July, like, like mm. you said, now here is the same deal here. The humidity can be unbearable in the middle of the day. And yeah. I don't even want to go outside. So I run all my errands. I do all my pickups early in the morning when the, you know, when the sun is just coming up. And then I, you know, I, again, I'm inside during the day because it's so hot, but I'd yeah. rather, I'd rather deal with the cold and deal with the heat. That's just the type of guy I am. That's why I will never move back to the South and, and revisit my roots <laughs> with my family. Cause they, they want me to move to South Carolina. And I'm like, it is way too hot to be down there. Yeah. I love South Carolina. Beautiful part of the country. But man, the humidity and the heat there are yeah. worse than the Northeast and where I'm at in the Midwest. It's 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 just, and that's why, like one of my favorite places on earth, New Orleans, right? I love New Orleans, but I go in the winter. Yep. Like I'm not going in July, August. I don't care. Hey, free rooms. Free. No, sorry. I don't want to take six showers a day. I just don't, <laughs> I don't want to do it. Uh, so anyway, but it's it's warm up out there. Las Vegas finally got the heat. They went all those days without reaching 100, and then all of a sudden, like two days later, it was 111. Uh, by the way, did you see the pictures or the video from the 4th of July when they turned on the video screen on that sphere, that new building in Vegas? Did you see that stuff? I didn't see it. Oh, man, it's cool. You got to check it out. They, it's, it's a big structure built by MSG, who obviously you know. Uh, there in New York, and, and it's, a, it's basically a music and a performance venue. U2's doing a big thing there. Anyway, it's a very cool, very, very cool $2 billion structure. And it's the exterior of it, because it's a sphere, is all video. So they did a 4th of July thing. They turned it into an NBA basketball because the summer league's coming, obviously, to Las Vegas very soon. And so they – oh, dude, you got to go watch it. You'll see a bunch of them on Twitter. For those folks out in Vegas, you know what I'm talking about. I just can't imagine driving by it because it's so damn bright. <laughs> It's going to be one of those things where they're going to take a shot from the space station to show that you can uh, see sure. it from space. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But anyway, back to the football and particularly, what should you watch this coming season? Yes, there's a Garoppolo story. Yes, there's the coach. Is he going to do anything better? Is he going to win? We got all that stuff. The Josh Jacobs contract stuff still in flux. We don't have answers on the, that at least for a couple weeks. But Mo did us all a favor. He, uh, on Sports Not yesterday on Wednesday, uh, did a story about five five uh, storylines to watch this season with the Raiders uh, that deserve more attention. So Mo is telling you that you're not paying enough attention <laughs> to these stories, or at least some of us aren't, um, that are leading into trading camp. And so we're going to go through in order on this, Mo, and talk about it. The first one you have, one of the guys you and I really raved about two seasons ago, uh, and um, – and the fact that he may return to the nickel position, and that is Nate Hobbs. Talk a little bit about this storyline and what people need to watch. Yeah, so basically, first of all, this column is more for the reporters, the, the nation, uh, the league-wide writers out there, reporters out there who 
who recycle the same headlines. Oh, is Josh Jacobs going to get a new contract? Is Jimmy Garoppolo's foot going to be okay? Is Hunter <laughs> Renfro going to be traded? I, I just got so tired of hearing the same talking points over and over again. So I dug deeper into some of the storylines, again, as the title, as the as it's titled, what we should be paying attention to that's not hitting the radar. And we and I, as you said, I started with Nate Hobbs and his potential return to the nickelback position. There was a nugget in Vic Tafer's story that I think a lot of people glossed over and Vic Tafer basically said that Nahas wants to return to the slot cornerback position. Not that the Raiders are going to move him there, but that he wants to be in the nickel. Now, a lot of people will excuse Nahas' rough 2022 season because he had he had a hand injury, which impacted him. But I think even before the hand injury, he was kind of up and down as a boundary defender. So it's not a surprise to me that Vic Tafer wrote that Nahas wants to go back to the slot where he played well as a rookie, where he showed promise. So I think it's a good chance that you see Nahas primarily go back to that position, but he's going to have some competition, as I wrote in the piece, as Vic Tafer noted. Tyler Hall is going to push him for that slot cornerback position. Tyler Hall had, had played 219 defensive snaps, I believe, last year. In short glimpses, played very, very well. He allowed a, a passer rating, I believe, of below 80, had four pass breakups. But it was, again, it was a very small sample size. So Nahas has the, ex, has the experience advantage there. And I also think he right now, obviously, is the better player. So he would be the front runner to win that position battle. But if Tyler Hall shows out at training camp, it could be a tough decision for the Raiders coaching staff. But mm. it also could make other cornerbacks expendable. And I named our good friend Amik Robinson. I hate to say it, but if if Nate Hobbs remove, uh, returns to the slot and Tyler Hall shows that he's pretty good in the slot and, and they're the one and two options there, Amik Robinson could be the odd man out if they don't use him on the boundary. Yeah, in fact, there's a, there's been a couple stories about uh, trade targets. I think your your um, uh, was it Christopher Knox over at Bleacher yep. Report. One of Probably. your colleagues wrote yep. a piece about that, and he had Amik Robertson in there as a possible trade candidate as yep. well. So uh, that is that is very true. We move on to your second storyline, and that is DeAndre Carter could be consistent uh, Las Vegas Raiders contributor. Talk about DeAndre Carter and why you say that. So a lot of the discussion about the red slot wide receiver position is around Hunter Renfro, but I think people are overlooking DeAndre Carter. And one of the things that are that I think hasn't been mentioned is that he played under the Raiders' new pass game coordinator, Scott Turner. So DeAndre mm-hmm. Carter was in Washington in 2021 while Scott Turner was the offensive coordinator. And he used DeAndre Carter in a variety of ways, used him as a wide receiver in the slot, used him on the outside. He also used him to run the football. DeAndre Carter had 10 carries for 89 yards, four of those for first down. So they can DeAndre Carter can can be that slot receiver and also that gadget guy that that Josh McDaniels uses in some of his creative play calling. So I think DeAndre Carter is going to have a spot on this roster, whether Hunter Renfro is moved or not. And if Hunter Renfro stays, he could Carter could very well eat into his snaps, especially if Trey Tucker isn't ready to play mm-hmm. right away as a rookie coming into the league. So I would look out for DeAndre Carr as that wide receiver that could surprise a lot of people. Raiders have had a history of, of wide receivers who have exceeded <laughs> ex- expectations. Matt Collins last year with Derek Carr, Nelson Aguilar a few years ago with Derek Carr. Different quarterback now, but with Scott Turner there, I think DeAndre Carter can make an impact. Yeah, fascinating look at there. And now everybody's been looking for more good news on the offensive line, and you bring it. You say, watch this guy. Greg Van Roten. I'm familiar with him because he had a couple of years with the Jets with that bust Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson (laughs) wasn't good, but Greg Van Roten was pretty decent as a guard. And he also, as you see him in a Bills helmet there, he played central last year with the Buffalo Bills in a pinch. Mitch Morris, I believe, was uh, dealing with an injury, so – he has some versatility on, on the interior, but most of his experience is at, is at guard, both guard positions. He can play on either side of the line. Another nugget from Vic Tafer's piece, he said that the Raiders would like Greg Van Roten to beat out Alex Bars for the right guard position. I think he can, but if he doesn't, then you're looking at McClendon Curtis as another contender for that right guard spot, maybe even Natane Muthi, even though I think Muthi's more of a backup. But I think think primarily it's going to be between Greg Van Roten and Alex Barras as the primary contenders for that right guard position. That's a camp battle to watch because a lot of people have wanted the Raiders to go out and sign a guard, including me, and I think this is why they're not looking at Dalton Risner because they really believe that Greg Van Roten can win that job. Yeah, fascinating one. All right, so now Mo has opened up Setup Shop. He got a P.O. box for the Amari Bernie fan club. (laughs) Uh, He says his next storyline is Amari Bernie can become a late-round draft gem 
Why do you say, I mean, listen, I don't disagree, but tell me why you're high on this guy and why Raider Nation needs to watch him during camp. I'll be part of the Mario Bernie fan club. I'll gladly be the president of that. Uh, <laughs> draft night. Uh, actually, after the Raiders completed their draft on Saturday this uh, this year in April, someone asked me, who's the one rookie that's, that can exceed expectations? And I immediately said, Amari Bernie. Number one, it's very obvious. He has the he has a very clear path to a starting role. We we talked about the linebacker position ad nauseum over the past few weeks. Even though Devon Diablo is expected to wear the green dot and be the leader of that position group, the Raiders still need a good rotation of linebackers at that position. I think Amari Bernie could be a complimentary piece there. He could probably play more than Robert Spillane because of Amari Bernie's ability to cover in zone responsibilities. Spillane, that's his weak spot. I wrote that in the piece that Spillane struggled mightily in pass coverage. So the Raiders are going to have to take him off the field on, on passing third downs. And Amari Bernie can, can man those responsibilities, especially if you're playing against a pass-catching tight end. I'm not saying he's going to blank, blanket Travis Kelsey as a rookie. But what I'm saying is the lesser tight ends that the Raiders are going to face on their schedule, he can match up against those guys. He has a background as a former safety, so I think he has more coverage ability than the average linebacker. And I think he has a real legitimate chance to get on the field on third downs if he's not just on special teams or on the practice squad. All right. Last but not least, you're gonna you're saying the Butler did it. You're saying the Butler will do it, maybe. And that is Adam Butler, sneaky good free agent addition for the Rays. Really under the radar on this one, Mo. Uh, coming yeah. over has got experience with that New England staff. Talk about Adam Butler and why this guy just might be somebody who sort of sneaks in the back door, but could have great impact on that Raider defense. I know where the fans are going to roll their eyes about this, but as you said, <laughs> former Patriot. But he had he had a string of good years with the Patriots. Four consecutive uh -huh. years, he had some production. I believe he had about 15 sacks, about 90 tackles, 20 of those for a loss behind the line of scrimmage. So he's been productive with just 36 to 50% of the snaps at a previous stop. Now, he signed with the Miami Dolphins. As you see, he's wearing a Dolphins uniform there, but he didn't play a single game with the Dolphins because he failed this physical. So they released him with that designation. He's resurfaced. The Raiders signed to him to reserve future contract in January. Yeah. And now he has a chance to bounce back while healthy. And I think he can because, as you know, the defensive line, you have a rotation of maybe four or five guys who are going to play. And I think he could be one of those guys to make an impact because he makes the splashy plays in the backfield. He can get sacks and he can stop the run. Right. And, and to me, that's the issue that the Raiders had to, right? They could not fix every role and position on this defense in one draft or one free agent class. So you have to go find guys that are low risk, but high reward. I think Adam Butler is one of those low risk, high reward guys. Like you said, it's a futures contract. Mm -hmm. If he plays and makes the roster great. If he regains some of that form, perfect for the Raiders, they might find that gem. Uh, but these are the storylines. And I appreciate it, Mo, because I think that a lot of people to your point, I know this is why you wrote it just don't see those stories very much. Some of them have been covered at least cursorily during the season or the offseason, I should say, but but highlighting these are good. So make sure you go up on sportsnot.com, read Mo's latest piece there so you can see exactly that if you want a little more detail because, of course, Mo does great work and he gets detailed in there. He does his homework. Imagine that. The, the other thing I would, <laughs> and I appreciate that, but the other thing I want to mention about Adam Butler before people say, oh, Mo, he's not making it. He's just a camp body. He'll be gone before week one. Let's look at the last few years. Darius Phylon, defensive lineman yeah. who came essentially out of nowhere, made the roster, made an impact. And now people are saying, where's, at least every week I see a tweet, where's Darius Phylon? Bring back Darius Phylon. <laughs> look at Jerry Tillery. Got, got let go of by, by the Chargers and people go, well, he's his first round bust. He didn't pan out. Aside from that, that gaffe against the Los Angeles Rams, had a pretty mm. good second half of the season with the Rays and resurfaced there. So the Rays have also had a history, along with wide receiver, of finding defensive linemen who may be on the scrap heap and then find their way with the Raiders and 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 actually stick on the roster. I think Adam Butler could be in the next line behind file line behind Jerry Tillery. Agreed. Good stuff, Mo, as always. Make sure you read Mo each week on sportsnot.com. Of course, you catch his work on Bleacher Report as well from the whole NFL and follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. All right. We are turning over everything to you next. That's right. We are going to get to our weekly Raider Nation mailbag when we come back from this break here on Silver and Black today with Mo Moten, Scott Branson. We're coming right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, Raider Nation. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast wherever you can. We appreciate that as well. Uh, and wherever you get your audio, just look for it. Hit the, the subscribe button, but also hit on the auto download. That way, every time a new show pops in, it's right there on your phone, your device, wherever you're listening to us. For the viewers on YouTube, thank you for watching. We appreciate it. Hit subscribe and the notification bell. Also, we are going into our weekly mailbag segment. Never shy. You ask, we answer. It's time for the Raider Nation mailbag. What's on your mind, fam? Drop us an email at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Now, it's your time to speak up. All right, there we go. Time for the mailbag segment. We always get good mail, Mo. Even during the offseason when it slows down... Instead of getting like 30 a week, we get like three to five. That's okay. But it's about quality, not quantity, right, Scott? It is about. Yes. Yes. It is. That's always the case. All right. So let's, <laughs> by the way, I want to remind you too, you can also ask your question on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, go to the comments where we're actually, the comments on YouTube are the most entertaining because you get some really crazy stuff. Yes. We don't usually respond to all of them. I do occasionally if people if I'm just in the mood. But go there too. If you want to leave a comment for the mail or ask a question for the mailbag, and I always forget to remind people this. The, the network's been telling me, our, our producer, Mike Robier, too, has been reminding me, Scott, remember on the show, tell people they can also put their questions for the mailbag in YouTube. And, of course, I have not done that. So, <laughs> Mo, I'm making right on it. That mind, as it ages, it forgets things. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is why we have quality producers around like Mike Robbie. So that's, that's right. That's, everybody Mike, plays their part. Mike has been a great addition, and we appreciate him uh, as well, especially the reminders. Okay, so we're going to get into the questions here. Uh, the first question we will uh, jump in on is this. All right, Scott and Mo, I've been a Raiders fan for 53 years, and ever since I was 10 years old, I appreciated your 4th of July tribute to Mr. Davis. He really was the epitome of the American dream. And although we all know about him and love him, younger Raiders fans really need to understand more about him than just the image and the old interviews. Read about him and understand not only how he created the Raiders image, but also, uh, but also what he did to change the game forever. That's from Gene in San Jose. So we talked about this on Tuesday's show. It was Al Davis's birthday, and we didn't go in depth. We did it general because I think it, it, we, we cover it all the time. But uh, a good point from Gene. Gene was only 10 years old when he started becoming a Raiders fan. Uh, he's now 63 doing the math. Yes, I can do it occasionally. Um, <laughs> but, but his point about the American dream is one thing, but also I think the history of the Raiders and understanding more about the man – is always advisable you know you 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 get you, you you come up through the ranks in raider nation as a fan as a kid you know all about al davis you can't escape it but i think to get some more depth mo and understand how he changed the game and what he did with the raiders is key and people should go learn it absolutely instead of and i see a lot of this on social media fans policing other fans on how to cheer for the <laughs> team Instead of policing fans on how to cheer for the team, you know, I think a lot more Raider fans should encourage people to read up on Al Davis's life and story and how he came up in the game. And as Gene pointed out, how he changed it yeah, and his philosophies, because I, as I said on the last show, if you knew Al Davis, if 
you were around when Al Davis was in his heyday or running the Raiders, you wouldn't be screaming to tank for Khalid Williams because you would understand that <laughs> that is completely, completely opposite of what Al Davis believed in. Right. He was trying to win every game every year. It wasn't, yes. oh, let's take a step back this year so we can get better the next year. That's not the Al Davis way. No, and looked for every possible edge, even if it was on the fringe of legality, and I mean legality, <laughs> in, in the league, not actual legal, but fr from the rules, right? And so uh, we, we hear the quotes and all that kind of stuff, but I think it's important to go back. Also, his his experience and his, his time, it, it's important to understand Al Davis as a coach as well. So before he became the owner, general manager, you have to look at his time as a coach and who he learned from, it's vital. Also, his history with basketball. Go look into that. See, I'm not going to give anybody more. You got to go look it up. If Al Davis were alive today and running the Raiders, and, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking of the owners around the league, I think he would be the most knowledgeable football mind among the owners in the NFL. When you think no about question. NFL owners, you think, oh, they're, they're, they're still there to finance it. You know, give the money, you get the players and do the football stuff. No, Al Davis knew football. It wasn't he wasn't yeah. just providing the, the cash, so to speak. He was the guy. He was the guy <laughs> like, look, that guy will be a great addition to our roster. I want that guy. And I think that was so different about him that he wasn't just a figurehead. He was an actual bright football mind. So we need to appreciate him more for that part of his, uh, he was. his uh, history. He, he was what Jerry Jones wishes he was. Yes. Right. Yes. Jerry yes. Jones thinks he knows football, but he does not. And, uh, <laughs> Al Davis knew football. Now, yes. save your save your talk about well in his later years. I'm not even getting yeah. into that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. So he knew football, though. He was a coach. So he mm -hmm. knew the game. Now, some did he did he meddle a little too much sometimes? Maybe, but that's that was his prerogative. It was his team. So anyway, Gene in San Jose, thank you so much for your message. We really appreciate it. Okay. Mo, on to number two, and this one says, hey, Mo, hey, Scott. Hey, Mo. Um, it hurts me to say this, but I think the Raiders need, need, by the way, and it's emphasized, to trade Josh Jacobs. Uh-oh. By the way, he's acting. It seems like things are headed toward an ugly breakup. Can they trade him before July 17, and do you think anyone out there would give up good draft capital to get him? I wish him the best, but we have to think more about the future. And a fifth-year running back isn't going to be the best use of their money. That's Jesus in Reseda. Either that, Jesus, or it's actually Jesus writing us from Reseda. I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. It's Jesus. He's written it before. Uh, but but Mo, what about this? He's he basically here's a Raiders fan, and it's he's not being negative. He's just saying, look, like Josh Jacobs, but from a cost perspective. And the way things look, which can be deceiving, by the way, um, he wants to know if they trade him, what are they going to get for him? So, Jesus, you're not the only one in this camp that feel the Raiders should trade Josh Jacobs and just move on. They did draft Samir White last year in the fourth round. They have other backup back, uh, running backs on the roster, Sincere McCormick, Brandon Bolden, who's a little older and longer in the tooth, Britton Brown, who they drafted in the seventh round. So they do have options. They're just unproven. But if you were to go the route to trade Josh Jacobs, I think you would probably get a second or third round pick for him. You're definitely not getting a first round pick for running back. No. So anyone out there who's, who's thinking, oh, Josh Jacobs just run a rushing title, we can get a first round pick for him. That's not going to happen because the market predicts that even the top tier running backs, we just saw Dalvin Cook just get released as a four-time Pro Bowler. Didn't win a rushing title, but four consecutive years of over 1,100 yards rushing. Again, four Pro Bowls. I know the Pro Bowl could be a hollow recognition award, but look at his numbers. He deserved those Pro Bowl awards. Even top tier running backs are having trouble getting pay raises. Austin Eckler with the Chargers led the league in actual touchdowns over the last two years, over 30 <laughs> touchdowns, and the Chargers would not give him a pay raise. Miles Sanders just came off his best year, got under $6.5 million a year on his new contract. So you're not getting a first-round pick. I think he could, Raiders can get a second- or third-round pick for Josh Jacobs. Though I will say, although his tweets are vague and cryptic, there's still time for them to work still out time. a multi-year deal. And, yes, they can trade him before July 17th. What would have to happen is the Raiders would have to – he would have to sign his franchise sign. tag. And yeah. then the Reds can do a sign and trade and send him where he wants to go. Again, this happened with Yannick Ngakwe a few years ago when he got out of Jacksonville. So a trade can happen before that July 17th deadline. 
I don't think it will happen. Again, I think mm. ultimately he's gonna he's gonna play on the franchise tag and bet himself for the 2024 free agency. But again, I will say be patient. I know the deadline is coming, but just because a player tweets doesn't mean that things are necessarily going south. We don't know. There could be a deal on the table that they're going back and forth on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Wait a minute. There's misinformation on social media. Are you kidding me? There's a lot of posturing on social media. I will say that. Fake news. Yeah, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Yeah. Um, 11 days until that July 17th deadline from today. So we'll see how it all rolls out. And it's hard. I understand fans want closure. They want to understand that their guy is going to be back or he's not going to get back and then they can get to their heartbreak, whatever it may be. But we understand that. And we certainly appreciate Jesus writing in once again from Reseda, California, outside Los Angeles there. So thank you, Jesus. We appreciate you. All right. On to our last piece of the mailbag for this week. And this one is addressed just to Mo. Yes. Now Mo's expecting. No, it's not about a date. It's not about food. But but he he's kind of he's kind of he's kind of giving you some shade here. Uh, although I, I I don't think it's much shade. But anyway, it says, "Hey Mo, you were so emphasized certain Hunter Renfro was going to be traded, but here we are. He's still a Raider. I don't think he's going anywhere, as he's going to show these other guys why he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. I predict a big season in Vegas." for the slot machine signed peace lawn l-o-n from las vegas lawn from las vegas he's kind of chiding you nicely because you were a tart you never said he would be traded you said he was the best trade candidate when we stand here today july 6 you and i have said trades happen during camp all the time depends on injuries when you look at hunter renfro i think you had the last time we talked about it you said 70 80 percent or something like that do you still mm -hmm. think are you still sticking by that number? You think Hunter Renfro will be gone by the time the Raiders take the field in week one? Yeah, I actually started off at 95% when I did my draft show. I said 95% chance Hunter Renfro will be traded. I came down to 70, 80%. There was a report saying that Hunter Renfro hasn't garnered much trade interest because of his contract coming off of a down injury riddle year as well. So his trade value isn't great right now, but I'm not moving off that 75, 80%. I'm going to stick to that, you know, until week one of the season, simply because, as you said, trades and whatnot happen during the summer. Teams yeah. reconvene for, for training camp practices. Let's say the Raiders get to training camp and Trey Tucker looks absolutely fantastic at training camp. You don't think the Raiders will say, OK, maybe we can, you know, move on for Hunter Renfro. If we can get something for him, maybe we package him with a draft pick. We, we move him. We get Trey Tucker more snaps. If DeAndre Carter, who we spoke about in the second segment, looks absolutely fantastic at training camp, you don't think the Raiders are going to look to try to get out of Hunter Renfro's contract, save some cash to maybe help their linebacker position or secondary? Right. I think it's a possibility, especially with injuries around the league. So as of right now, yes, Hunter Renfro still remains on the roster, but I'm still skeptical that he's going to be on the roster week one or through through the trade deadline in November or November 1st. When that comes around, I, I think ultimately speaking, Hunter Renfro is not going to have a big year. I know the emailer who, who chided me on that one said he thinks Hunter Renfro has a big year and shows why he's one of the best route runners. Yes, Hunter Renfro is one of the best route runners in the NFL, but he's also a freestyle route runner. And I don't know if that fits with what Josh McDaniels is looking for. And I know they right. gave him a new deal knowing how, how he plays the football game. But let's remember, Hunter Renfro had that report with Derek Carr. He's got a new quarterback now. He's got some competition in the slot. He's got Devontae Adams. He's got Jacoby Myers there in front of him. It's going to be hard for Hunter Renfro to get even 50 catches this season because of the crowd at wide receiver and because of the changes they have on the offensive side of the ball. So while I, while I may be wrong in Hunter Renfro not being traded, I stand firm that he's not going to have a big year, even if he remains on the roster. Yeah, we looked at it a, a couple shows ago. We talked about Michael Mayer's presence there now as a rookie tight end and the fact that they'll go to so many of those double tight end sets. So you talk about your point about receptions and the fact that, listen, he might not have as much opportunities he's had in the past. In John Gruden's system where you could freestyle, right, it was, it was much more in tune with his ability. And so I think that's where people kind of lose track of the – it's not sometimes just the player. It's sometimes the situation the player's in, and he finds himself in a much different situation, quarterback included. That's a great point. Also, the money is a big deal because although the Raiders are not in emergency territory right now with salary cap, um, we don't know too, Mo, 
what injuries pop up for them during camp. They're right. going to have to free up money. They, they still need linebackers, like you said, but they also might need somebody else because somebody goes down. We don't want to see anybody get injured. Don't take me wrong. But at the same time, these are the things that happen. It's a game of attrition, and, and the Raiders have to have some cash available should they have an emergency. Every year, Scott, we see this every year right before final cuts happen. What do we see? A bunch of trades that happen. Not mm-hmm. maybe blockbuster trades, but, you know, trades with players who are either were on the outs, yeah. notable names who may want a change of scenery. Just look around the league. Buda Baker may want out of Arizona. Hasn't happened yet, but I can say Buda Baker is probably going to be traded before week one with the right. building Arizona Cardinals. Exactly. There are a bunch of moves that are, have yet to be made. They're not necessarily going to make them in July or June, but they may yeah. be made late August, early September before week one. Exactly. Yeah, no, good stuff. And Lon, thank you for chiding Mo. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we appreciate it. It's, listen, it's a we good do. point. I know he's yeah. he's a popular player. A lot of folks don't want to see him go. I don't want to see him go. But no, to me, the but, writing's on the wall. But again, it's sort of, again, situation and player, right? He's a talented uh-huh. guy. If he goes to the right situation, uh, he'll be fine. He's going to have a nice career in the NFL still. I still believe that. But at the same time, where he's at now, I don't know that he fits. You know, it's it's sort of like in basketball, if you have an offense that you run that's not big on pounding the ball inside, which isn't anymore anyway, uh, to a center, then you might go with a smaller lineup that's faster, that moves the ball because you got more motion in your offense. So if you got a big seven footer who kind of is just a a player on the interior, you might not might not be the best guy for that team, and and you move out. So not not any different from that. I'm using a basketball analogy, but I'll put it in layman's terms for the people out there. Most people out there are working, have jobs, right? And mm-hmm. you're, let's say you're at a job, you're making $100,000 a year. And the next week or next month, your boss brings in another person who does, who works the same position as you and makes a fraction of what you make a year. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you get a little nervous? Like, okay, they brought in somebody who does what I do and they're paying him or her a lot cheaper. Yes. I, could I be on the out? This is the same situation with Hunter Renfro. They drafted a, a, a rookie in the third round who's on a, obviously on a rookie deal. They picked up DeAndre Carter, who doesn't have the contract that Hunter Renfro has. You have to understand that the writing is at least on the wall that Hunter Renfro could at least be moved. It's not inconceivable mm-hmm. when you bring in Jacoby Myers, when you bring in DeAndre Carter, when you draft Trey Carter, Trey Tucker in the third round. It's not inconceivable that Hunter Renfro could be moved with those additions on the roster. No question. No question. We'll see how it all rolls out. We're going to see in a couple of weeks. Everybody's waiting for things, you know, the other shoes to drop on a lot of these situations. And we're bored. We want to see football again. Fans <laughs> want to see football. They want stuff to start happening. And the good news is you're almost just 10 days away from that's 11 days away from. Well, no, it's well about 17 days. So uh, sorry. It's 11 days until the Josh Jacobs contract situation. So at least you'll have that answer to, to one degree. Uh, and then a week and a half, a week and a day after that, the, the Raiders roll into camp in Henderson on, on Raiders way. So it's coming, folks. Be patient. But in the meantime, we will be here with you. Mo, anything you want to talk about coming up here? We, of course, told people about your Sports Not piece yesterday. What else you got coming out on Bleacher Report? I got another piece on top defensive free agents and their best landing spot. So I'm basically mm. going to take a big name like Marcus Peters, Yannick Ngakwe, and say, What's the best fit for them as far as team, roster fit, scheme fit, contract-wise? Where should they sign before training camps? And as you would guess, the Raiders need defensive help, so the Raiders are going to be mentioned quite a bit in that piece. <laughs> so look out for that. As, as I said, Marcus Peters will be in in that article. Yannick Ngakwe will be in that article. John Johnson III, the safety, will be in that article. You'll see who the Raiders are matched up with when it comes out on Friday. There you go. So tomorrow... You get the podcast today, and tomorrow you get to wake up, grab your coffee, your tea, whatever you're drinking, and read a little bit of Mr. Moten. Yes, on defense. See, see, see what the, where the Raiders pop in on that conversation. All right, Mo, we'll be back next week. We'll be back on Tuesday, of course, uh, and we'll be talking about what other, what other subject will we talk about but the Raiders. Yes, we get into some food and fun and whatever. It's the offseason. A lot of shows that cover football, Mo, they're talking baseball, basketball right now for full segments. We give people Raider talk. Now, we, yeah, we again, we enjoy ourselves and we, we, we 
talk about things too, like we did at the top of the show, but we always get back to Raiders football. We're not talking Padres on this show. All Raiders, baby. Padres. <laughs> Two in a row. Man, at least the one time I saw them as they were playing in Cincinnati, they actually won. Um, oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, all right, Raider Nation and Mo. <laughs> I will see you on Tuesday, my friend. Sounds good. See you Tuesday. All right. For our producer, Mike Robier, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. Also, if you have a question for our mailbag, please send it to mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Or leave comments on our YouTube channel under the videos, and we will use those questions on our next show. Everyone, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, Raider Nation.